Welcome to the Physician Negotiator Podcast, where no decision is left to chance. With your host, Doc of All Trades. Today I would like to introduce Dr. Alexi Nazem. He is the co-founder and CEO of Nomad Health. While many healthcare startups have non-clinical founders, Dr. Nazem continues to practice internal medicine at Will Cornell Medical College while building his business. He graduated from Yale Medical School and carries an MBA from Harvard. He feels passionate about fixing the broken healthcare system and solving the upcoming physician shortage by directly connecting major stakeholders in the delivery of healthcare, namely the employers and medical professionals. His company, Nomad Health, accomplishes this by creating an online marketplace for physicians and nurses and skipping the middleman. Alexi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be on. Excellent. Hey, you know, Alexi, you have an amazing background. Um, I did a little bit of stalking on you. I hope you don't mind. No, it's all right. uh, (laughs) I read an article you had written on Kevin MD about immigrants making America great. Yes. And uh, you have quite a legacy uh, in your background. Your granddad was an anesthesiologist, Mm -hmm. and your dad was a Buckeye graduating from Ohio State, Mm -hmm. which which practically makes us related since I'm a Buckeye (laughs) anesthesiologist. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, nice to meet you, brother. Yeah, likewise. And uh, your, your entire family is filled with medical uh, physicians and pioneers. It's incredible. Yes, you know, I'm very lucky to have uh, grown up in that environment. And uh, do you feel like that has kind of played a role in, in your entrepreneurial spirit? Oh, most absolutely. Um, I have actually, interestingly, both um, entrepreneurs in my family and uh, physicians. So I guess one could say that I was predestined to go down the path that I'm going down. Um, I, uh, I grew up in a household uh, where most of my extended family were in some way, shape, or form involved in the medical profession. And so um, that originally served as an inspiration for me. And as I've actually entered and practiced in the profession, um, having all of those uh, family members who are actually colleagues has now served as a um, a, a support and a push and um, really a, sort of like a great set of uh, uh, cons- consultants for me. And then on the entrepreneurial side, um, especially through my dad, I was exposed at a very young age to the concept of creating something from nothing, uh, making companies that use technology to solve real world problems. And so um, that brew at home uh, really set me, as I said, on this pathway. And so for sure, I'm indebted to my family for what I'm doing today. Oh, so lucky. And, you know, couldn't come at a better time. Uh, medicine right now is just struggling. I just read an article yesterday on the Wall Street Journal about how healthcare in general is not now the number one employer of all people living in the United States. And to say that it's not in the best of shape is an understatement. Hmm. And I, I like what you're really doing in Nomad Health in, in trying to help solve those problems. So if you wouldn't mind, can you share a little bit, uh, little bit with us about how Nomad Health works? Sure. So uh, at Nomad, the problem that we are confronting head on is the challenge with uh, providing enough staff, clinical staff to uh, patients in American hospitals, clinics, and other venues of care. I'm sure you've heard that there are huge shortages of doctors, nurses, advanced practice providers, and many others. Um, And solving that problem is going to be critical to the future functioning of the healthcare system. Um, And so what Nomad is trying to do is to introduce technology solutions to uh, provide more efficient, more effective 
healthcare staffing. Um, myself as a doctor and some of my co-founders, also doctors, really felt the pain of this problem. Um, you know, trying to get recruited into a job or um, or even just looking for a job yourself. Uh, is a very inefficient, very frustrating process that involves third parties, that involves lots of paper and fax machines and phone calls. And it's just not a very modern process. And in a world where, you know, we really need um, to have the best clinicians at the bedside, it's crazy that we're spending so much time, energy, and money on getting patients, doctors and nurses to the bedside. And so the problem that we're trying to solve is actually sort of shortening the distance and the time between um, the, the clinician and, and the bedside. Um, and uh, that's what we do at Nomad. And so with so how is it different from a, from a traditional recruitment um, company then? Yeah, so uh, a traditional recruiter is a third party. So there's, let's say, a hospital and a doctor that want to work with each other. Well, traditionally, having in order for them to find each other and connect, they've got to go through a, a staffing recruiter. What Nomad does is eliminate those staffing recruiters and uh, using technology replaces all the functions that those recruiters provide um, and allows the doctor and the hospital to con connect directly and consummate that relationship um, directly using technology. So instead of having to interview on the phone with a broker and then with the then with the hospital and the medical director and all that kind of stuff instead of having to you know mail in paper forms instead of having to um, you know sort of uh, uh, look for credentials uh, all over the place um, we've centralized all of those processes online in a very easy to use um, uh, technology-based platform so it has the same ease of use as something like Airbnb or Kayak, uh, where you do very high cost, complex transactions very easily, very quickly online without the intervention of a third party. We're trying to bring that same level of convenience to um, staffing. And so basically, we're cutting out the middleman and allowing the two parties that are interested in working with each other to do that um, without any outside assistance. And that is a fascinating concept because if, if you know, the modern physician or nurse looking for a job today and if they have multiple recruiters, they may have to go through multiple processes, multiple credentialing, especially mm -hmm. if you're a um, traveling um, provider. Mm -hmm. And so each time you go through the process, you have to replicate that paperwork over and over and over again. So is Nomad then creating a database where you would just have to uh, submit it once? Exactly that. And, and this company was born out of that very frustration. I, I tried to do a locum tenens job, which is that kind of traveling doctor job that you talked about. And it took me 10 months to organize just three days worth of work. And it's because I had to talk to and submit so talk to so many brokers and submit so many different applications. And that just takes a lot of time. And so what Nomad does is we essentially have a common app. You apply one time to our platform. You upload your information, your preferences, et cetera, and then all you need to do is to just point out the jobs that you like, um, and you don't have to re-upload your ACLS card anymore or um, you know, tell us again about where you went to med school. And so um, that substantially cuts out um, the uh, sort of hassle of uh, working, working with, multiple, with multiple places. And so ultimately what we want to be is the one-stop shop for a doctor, the one-stop shop for a nurse trying to find a job or leverage the, the clinical skill set that they have. So there are traditional credentialing companies that you can upload all this information to as well. Um, would, would then, if you were to get hired through Nomad, would you be able to then 
use the information that you submitted to Nomad to get your credentialing at a particular institution? Yes. I mean, it varies a little bit based on institution. And we try to automate as much of the process as possible. But of course, there are um, local rules and regs for every institution. And so sometimes they require um, you know, their own, uh, their own additional credentialing. And that's unfortunately something that we can't control, but we hope that over time, um, nomads, uh, quality, uh, becomes so well trusted by, uh, healthcare institutions that, um, when nomad, uh, you know, credentials somebody, uh, that say so is, is enough, um, and wouldn't require any additional, we're not there yet, but I, I hope and expect we will get there eventually. Well, and that seems to be the problem. You have all these different institutions and different state medical boards and uh, who all have their own systems mm -hmm. that have never once really taken the time to talk to each other for the most yeah. part. And we'd like to be the glue between them. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're, as much as possible, we're trying to integrate with existing systems so that we're not asking people to duplicate efforts that they've already made. Um, and okay. then, you know, as you said, make them talk to each other via technology. And that hopefully will move the needle um, and really get us back to the things that actually matter, taking care of patients and stop doing things that don't matter, like filling out paperwork. So the original concept was for temporary employment. Was it always your intention to do this for permanent work? Yes, it, it, it always has been. Our goal at, at Nomad is to become the jobs marketplace for healthcare. So any kind of job for any kind of clinician should be something that you can find and do on Nomad. So if you're a doctor, we want you to be able to find locums employment, full-time employment, telemedicine employment, and many other kinds of um, jobs that would take advantage of the clinical skills that you have. And then we also want to offer that same, um, that same set of opportunities to nurses, NPs, PAs, and in the future, other types of uh, clinical providers. Um, so all along, it's been our goal to provide a one-stop shop, as I said before, um, and just takes time to, to, to grow a company like that. Now, you've been growing for about three years, and you, you cover 30 states with the expectation of, of covering all of them. Is that, is that correct? That's exactly right, yeah. So what percentage of jobs do you expect your system to have in the database? Well, so ultimately the goal is that every job that's available in the world of medicine is going to be on Nomad. We're obviously not there yet today, but there are literally thousands of jobs on the Nomad platform today. Um, we're in, as you said, about 30 states mostly the East Coast, the West Coast, and the Upper Midwest, um, and obviously trying to get to, to all 50 in, in short order. Um, but, you know, thousands of jobs are up there, so it's a, it's a pretty good sample of, of what's out there. But, of course, not every single job in, in American hospitals and clinics. But we're working our way towards that. Now, you mentioned uh, that this is a billion-dollar industry, which really surprised me. I was listening to one of your speaks talks, and um, that's a lot of money, and that tells me that this industry's pretty um, dug in. So how is Nomad going to be able to compete with such a large industry and scale? Yeah. Well, so first of all, it's a $20 billion industry. So it's a wow. very huge uh, market and it's growing rapidly because of that um, growing shortage of clinicians. How Nomad is going to win in this space is that we provide better service at a lower price. And this is the classic disruption story. Um, we are using technology to, as I said, offer better service at a lower price. And that's kind of unbeatable. Um, really, what we need to do is just continue um, offering a high quality experience 
um, that serves the real needs of our um, of our users, uh, doctors, nurses, clinicians, and on one side, and employers on the other. Um, I have no doubt that what we're offering is head and shoulders better than anything that a traditional company can offer. And um, so I think it's really a question not of if, but when uh, we will win. Yeah, I was really surprised how how much of a commission these companies get when recruiting a physician. I was, I think you mentioned at some point like $10,000 or, or upwards of 40% of the transaction. Yeah. So, so it is an extraordinarily expensive uh, industry today. So um, a traditional staffing agency for um, uh, temp work, so in other words, locums uh, for doctors or travel and nursing for nurses, um, they're charging 40, 50, 60, sometimes 70% commission, which is unbelievably high. Um, we're able to do it for a fraction of that cost, you know, 20% of that cost or, you know, 15% of that cost. Um, so it's it, because we don't have the legions of, of, uh, manual laborers, uh, on call centers and filling out, you know, paper forms and stuff, we're using technology. So we're able to cut a lot of cost out of the system. Um, so, you know, uh, in in uh, in our marketplace, we're not only, as I said, offering a better service, but we're able to do it at a much lower price for the clinic for the uh, employers, and then the clinicians end up getting paid a little bit more as well. So it's a win win win. How how is the disclosure process, or how is the uh, discovery process of reimbursement for a clinician take place on Nomad? You mean reimbursement for clinical yeah, services? Yeah, rendered? precisely. Whether and I'm thinking mostly like locums, because typically they charge by the hour or by the day. Oh, yeah. So the way it works is that we don't actually at Nomad get involved in clinical reimbursement. So what ends up happening, a typical locum, for example, um, will in their contract with the facility, which is signed through Nomad, is saying, look, I'm going to sign over my billings to um, to the uh, employer, so the hospital, for example. And in exchange, I'm going to be paid an hourly or shift-based wage. Um, and so uh, that that's sort of that's sort of what the mechanic is. So in terms of the, the actual amount, then would that transaction or negotiation take place between the two parties? Yeah, to between the doctor and the employer, yes. the nurse and the employer, and that happens directly on the Nomad platform. So um, a hospital might post a locum's job and say, hey, we're looking for an emergency department uh, physician, um, and we want to pay them you know, $185 an hour. Um, that'll be up on the job post very transparently, unlike in any other traditional agency. Um, and then uh, the doctor can say, yeah, I'm interested in that job, but could you possibly do 200 And And then the hospital might come back and say, oh, well, let's do it for 190 and then they you know sign a deal um through through the nomad site but that all that negotiation happens right on the platform oh wow, that's amazing so then you could probably can you uh, negotiate other things like transportation uh, ho- uh, housing and that sort of thing exactly yeah so all of that stuff you can negotiate right on nomad um whether it's yeah expense reimbursement travel reimbursement uh, housing um you name it uh, really anything can be um uh, can be negotiated. And the interesting thing about that is it, it, it gives the hospital more leverage because it's they get to pay, get a, a better clinician for a cheaper price because they're not paying for the commission. And then the, it sounds like the physician and the nurse will win because then they could ask for more and the hospital would be more willing to give it. Does that, does that make sense? Exactly right. That's exactly right. So because the clinician is getting paid more, you might actually get better people more quickly. And because the hospital is paying less, they can hire more people more quickly. So it's ultimately serving that core problem, which is 
um, the, the shortage. So I think one of the things that we're very excited about at Nomad is the ability not only to improve the efficiency of the existing staffing market, but also to draw more people into the uh, contingent gig part of it. So get more people to do locums, get more people to do um, travel nursing. Um, I think there are substantial, uh, substantial numbers of doctors and nurses who want to do this work, but have shied away from it traditionally because it is so frustrating and difficult to engage in that market. And so um, by creating an easier system where you can possibly get paid more, you know, we can possibly increase the supply side of the equation and, and address at least a portion of the uh, shortage problem. And, you know, I, I set up my own account and it was free and it was actually pretty, pretty easy. I was really impressed by how the interface was fairly simple. So for the, it doesn't take a technocrat in order to figure out how to, how to, how to navigate it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's our that is our whole goal is to make this so easy to use that you want to. Um, the 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 sort of bar that we're trying to cross, the sort of the bar that is set by the traditional agencies, is so low that it's very easy to clear it. But we don't want to just step over it. We want to leap mm. over it. We want to make it incredibly easy to use Nomad, um, so that you know it, it reduces the friction to getting into this market. It's a relief interacting with the computer that's not an EHR, you know, uh, because <laughs> right now I think on the my average patient that I see, I'm probably doing a hundred clicks, and I know many of my peers feel the exact same way. So it's refreshing to to see something that actually is pretty simple and it works the way it's supposed to. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, technology typically in healthcare has been so disappointing and. Um, we want to reverse that trend and just offer something that is consumer grade, you know, that has the same ease of use as the things I mentioned before, like Airbnb. Um, we don't want to, our competitive set on terms of technology ease of use is not an EMR, but rather, you know, the app that you use on your phone every day. Very nice. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. I'd like to start talking a little bit about how we can help, um, graduating residents and, uh, you know, it is job season right now. You know, physicians are mm-hmm. looking for their jobs, and it seems to me they're securing employment earlier and earlier. I have n- uh, numerous peers and mentees who've already secured jobs for July, which is just incredible. Wow! Um, and that seems to be the norm. And, uh, I also work at a place where we have a CRNA school. Same thing. We're currently interviewing for for jobs for next year. It's and despite that. Um, we're still struggling to get get employees. It's it's incredible, um, but I think there's a lot of stress involved with trying to um, secure a job when you're a resident. Um, and I think that if you're spending most of your time focusing on you know, studying for your boards, finishing your clinicals, I think the last thing that you want to do is is really spend that much time and effort looking for a job. But it's also the most important thing. Um, how will let's see? Let me, let me make sure I phrase this right. A lot of physicians, when they first graduate, where they're in this process of looking for a job, don't even understand how they begin looking for a job that's a good fit for them. Mm-hmm. Does Does Nomad have tools in it that kind of help them um, understand what's going to be the best fit for them in terms of location, lifestyle, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, this is a very challenging thing, figuring out what your first job post-residency should be. In fact, you know, during residency, you're hardly given any exposure to the variety of opportunities that might be out there and certainly not equipped with the tools to help you make decisions about what the right um, what the right uh, uh, job is for you. And you don't even think about things that you're going to end up having to negotiate, like 
well, well, tell me about the malpractice insurance that you're going to give me. Tell me about what an RVU is. Tell me about scheduling and call and things that, you know, you don't typically think about when you're a trainee um, and certainly aren't given any real training on. And so um, there's a couple of things I think that Nomad does to help with the um, with the uh, first time first time job seeker. Um, first and foremost, uh, we try to give as much information as possible upfront about the various job opportunities um, that you can have at Nomad. So um, we're not trying to hide any information. We're trying to take everything you could possibly want to and need to know um, in order to select a job. So uh, try to tell you about the facility that you might work in, tell you about the nature of the work, the kinds of patients that you have, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's one thing. Just having more information, super helpful. Um, additionally, we have a bunch of resources on our site to help you learn about what you're supposed to do to, um, to uh, effectively uh, take a job or, or decide between job opportunities. So, for example, I mentioned malpractice. You, know, you come on our resource center and our blog, and you can see um, some guidance about how to um, how to approach that question. And then uh, at the very end of it, um, also there is um, no substitute sometimes for talking to someone who is an expert in the field. And so um, at any moment, despite the fact that we're a technology company and trying to re replace as many steps as possible with tech, um, we have great people here. Uh, we have what are called nomad navigators, and they help you navigate your job search. And so if you'd like, you can reach out to us directly and, and ask those kinds of questions and say, hey, you know, what should I be looking for? Uh, how should I you know, even prepare my resume to uh, put my best foot forward. Um, kinds of things that you wouldn't necessarily think about um, when, uh, in your training, but are certainly very important um, to when you are actually seeking a job. So we try our best to, to be your, your uh, supporter and your advocate and um, try to give you resources um, from start to finish. What a, what a, a fascinating um, prospect. So you just, this nomad navigator is a person that you can contact very early on. Is it, is it con still considered free of charge until you get the job? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so the moment you sign up for Nomad, um, you can um, schedule time to speak with a Nomad navigator, and they can help you in any way that you see fit. Um, we want to enable you to do everything and as much as you want, um, self-service, but when you feel like you need a little bit of guidance, um, there's always a, an expert, a person that is available to talk to you. Well, that's amazing. Um, in terms of the contractual, so we've talked about the salary negotiation process. In terms of the contract, once the contract or there's a letter of intent that's been signed, Nomad no longer is involved in the process beyond that. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So um, for uh, for these full-time jobs, uh, permanent jobs, yeah, the we primarily serve that um, uh, the purpose of connecting the two, helping you sort of get the relationship off the ground. But then when it gets to, you know, actually uh, doing the formal employment, that becomes a transaction between the, um, the doctor, the nurse and the, um, and the, and the facility. Okay. Now there are various practice type models in the industry today. So we, there's still, you know, a couple of people that do solo practice. We mm -hmm. have group practice, we have uh, hospital employees, and then we have academic um, does Nomad really focus on any one particular area or is the goal to have all those um, modalities represented, all the different job types? Yeah, we're trying to have all those different job types available um, on Nomad. Uh, so uh, our, our job opportunities are pretty reflective of the, of the opportunities at the in the market at large. Um, so you wrote an article. Uh, well, actually, you didn't write it. Somebody in your website wrote an article called 
the five mistakes doctors make when looking for a job. And uh, I see these mistakes all the time. And um, <laughs> I'd like to go through them because I think they're, they're really important. And the first thing that you say is mistake number one is keeping your job search narrow. No, I think I think that is a very common problem. Uh, it's very easy, especially for a first-time job seeker, to really only default to the things that they know. So the location that they're comfortable with, the practice setting that they're comfortable with, and um, that can you know that can be great. I mean, if you love practicing in an urban academic environment, just like the place you train, fantastic. Uh, but you may also like other. Um, you may also like other types of opportunities, uh, a suburban or rural location, a non-teaching facility, um, private practice. So there are so many um, different kinds of things that you can do, and a lot of them you don't get exposure to while you're training. Um, so keeping the search narrow is, is not, serving your, um, not serving you as, uh, uh, as well as it could. I mean, eventually you have to narrow your search, but start, start broader. You know, it's interesting. You, you said that you have a very narrow um, exposure. And I've read a couple of articles where some people have actually advocated doing locums for a period of time in order to get that exposure. Um, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I actually think that's a great idea. It's kind of like a try before you buy approach. Um, you know, when you work as a locum, you can work for months at a time um, in a facility, really get to know the facility, the patient population, the geography, etc. And kind of figure out, hey, is this for me or not? Um, is this style of practice for me or not? Is this location for me or not? And so I am totally supportive of this concept. And I think actually more and more people are starting to, to approach their um, first jobs this way. Whereas traditionally uh, attendings, at least my attendings, would would uh, encourage me not to do that, to, su- such that you can build relationships. But I think the tr- the trend is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know if you can find a location based upon, uh, like for example, the way Nomad uh, illustrates what each job entails, you can feel more comfortable going into a situation and feel like you're being supported, as opposed to traditionally you go into a locums, you may feel like you might be the odd man out. So. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Um, the uh, I think there is a, a changing attitude amongst the millennial generation that would, um, you know, like this kind of gig work. Um, and then additionally, I think there's a changing attitude towards locums. Um, uh, I think that there, you know, some of the unfortunate stigma that that may have uh, uh, been associated with that type of work and those type of clinicians is fading away as more and more people start to do it. Um, so. I think it's a, I think it's a reasonable, um, uh, and in fact, a very good thing to start doing. Um, so go jumping to mistake number two, jumping at the first opportunity, which I think is a, basically we've kind of illustrated with mistake number one. Um, if you jump at the first opportunity, you may not necessarily find the, the right fit right off the bat. That's exactly right. Yeah. So just keep looking. Um, and you remember always that, uh, as a doctor, you're the scarce resource. And so, uh, you are highly desired. And so you should find, you should feel, uh, the right to be selective. And so don't jump at that first opportunity. You know, on, you know, the, the other interesting thing about that is I think recruiting companies in general are upping their strategies to try to, you know, get these doctors earlier on. I went to a dinner two weeks ago, uh, a recruitment dinner, where they were inviting interns. I've never seen that before. And um, the, 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 the topic was to be, they try to keep it as light as possible and try to be um, unbiased as possible. But at the end of the day, the, what they really wanted to do is put their name in front of that physician. And uh, this particular um, 
healthcare system was offering residents a stipend mm. that they could sign up immediately so they, they can get them onto their system. So um, I think you have to be really careful with something like that because um, mm-hmm. you're going to commit as an intern might be a little bit too early in the game, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, look, I don't think that any of these systems are approaching things with any nefarious intention. I mean, uh, they, they, that could be the right job for you. And so think about it, um, you know, uh, consider it. Um, and, you know, it, it may not be the wrong thing to do. But at the same time, remember that you do have lots of options and you should feel, as I said, the right to be selective. I agree. So mistake number three is only considering large cities or facilities. Yeah. And so that gets back to this thing that I was saying before, which is that, you know, most of us end up training in large facilities and usually in cities. Um, And so, you know, we have less and less exposure to um, environments that are not like that. And so um, it's a very easy thing to default to, to say, hey, I'm used to practicing in a, you know, 500 bed academic facility in a a city with a million plus people. And that's the only place that I could ever feel comfortable. Uh, But, you know, that's not necessarily true. So, um, you know, think about uh, different types of, uh, of locations and, and, um, and uh, facilities. Where do you think there's greater demand right now in, in the, with respect to city size or population size? Well, I mean, naturally, there is greater demand, uh, patient demand in places that are population centers, but there's a relative oversupply of clinicians in those places um, when compared to um, lesser populated areas. So, um, what we see is is that some of the greatest demand for clinicians is coming um, in uh, suburban and rural locations, and less so in um, in urban locations. But across the board, there's a physician shortage. So again, um, you know, the the doctor, the nurse is the is the scarce resource. Right. And uh, mistake number four is negotiating contracts poorly. Mm. Now that's kind of the basis of my podcast, um, the physician negotiator, because. Um, I've seen it time and time again. And I think the, the biggest thing physicians fail to re- realize is when they're actually in a negotiation. Uh, perfect example, this morning I was at a meeting in, with my hospital and we were about to go down a person. And so the hospital was, was trying to, to tell us how we were going to take extra call. And, uh, and all of a sudden I, I realized I'm in a negotiation and I'm just at a meeting. So <laughs> it was pretty yeah. funny actually. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, medicine is a business, and that's not something that any of us are really confronted with as uh, medical students or trainees. And so um, getting smart on what matters economically is really important because then you know what to negotiate on. So do things like look at the at the data about the specialty um, and the location that you're in. Um, to see, hey, what should I be getting paid? Um, then also learn about other finer points I mentioned briefly uh, before about malpractice and RVUs and other things like that. So just um, talk to your colleagues. There's lots of great resources online, also on Nomad, um, uh, to learn about the various things that you can negotiate. Um, knowledge is power. Um, if you don't know about these things, you're definitely not going to negotiate well. If you even just know that you should negotiate about them, you're 10 steps ahead of the game. So um, I'd say, you know, learn about those things and uh, and bring them up. And you'd mentioned this on a prior podcast that the physicians really struggle with understanding the business of medicine. And you have great business acumen and successfully negotiated this thriving startup, but you also got an MBA. Yeah. Uh, what, what would you recommend physicians do to educate themselves short of short of getting an MBA? Or do you, do you recommend they get an MBA? 
Well, so, I mean, of course, I, I, I endorse the idea of an MBA. I think it's been great for me, but I don't think that it's necessary to get an MBA to be an effective doctor. Um, but there are a lot of things that you learn in that education that would be valuable that you don't need to go to school for. Um, like I said, there's lots of great resources online um, to help you, um, uh, you know, sort of have a little bit better business acumen um, when it comes to uh, the business of your profession as a physician. Tons of great websites out there. Um, uh, to, to get smart. Um, I'd also think about, uh, you know, start, start planning and I'm not a financial advisor or anything, so please take everything I say with a, a grain of salt, but you know, it's not too early when you're a resident to start thinking about your financial future, um, and you know, how to, to save and invest, um, for the long term. And so, um, beyond things that are dedicated specifically to clinicians, uh, there's a ton of really just, uh, financial smarts, um, uh, education that you can that you can engage in uh, early on, and so um, I would um, I would encourage you to sort of be a, continue to be a, a student uh, just of a different topic. I think sort of separately. I, I personally advocate for and have done uh, some of this advocacy formally uh, to get more of this kind of education into a traditional medical school curriculum, nursing school curriculum, um, and later in uh, postgraduate training curricula. It is so important. At the end of the day, as I said, medicine is a business, and you will be a better clinician if you uh, recognize that and have some of the tools. We should do everything we possibly can to get more of that on uh, more of those topics onto the curricula. But uh, short of that, um, all of us should recognize that it's an important topic and and uh, um, get smart on it on our own. Have you met any resistance from these centers who from from whom you advocate? Uh, not not in recent times. Early on in my career, when I was you know when I was applying for medical school, I knew that I wanted to also go down this business pathway, and I had to be very secretive about it uh, because um, most uh, I, I didn't really find a lot of receptive ears to that uh, type of uh, approach. But in the last you know fifteen years, there's been a huge sea change um, in the medical profession, and people really recognize exactly what I said, the medicine is a business and, um, equipping doctors and nurses and other clinicians who are on the front line, um, is a smart thing to do because then they can actually lead, uh, lead the changes that need to be made instead of people who are non-clinical and don't really understand the nuances, um, of medicine, um, to, you know, suggest and, and make change in, in the system, uh, without, you know, clinical influence. So that's a long answer to a short question. The short answer is there's much, much, much less resistance than there once used to be. Well, there seems to be a proliferation of physician-led websites teaching such um, uh, education now, so that's reassuring. And uh, certain medical societies have actually reached out to uh, my, my peers, asking them if they understand or know any resources so that they can teach the medical students. So I'm glad you're, you're um, leading that effort. I really appreciate that. I think uh, I, I wish that something like that existed when I was a medical student. Um, I kind of had to learn this on the fly. So again, Double kudos to you for that, doing that. Thank you. Well, um, I think you're doing a great service here, too, by uh, trying to raise awareness and to educate. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, last question is mistake number five. I don't want to over uh, – we kind of went, went on a little bit of a tangent, but <laughs> not looking at the big picture is mistake number five. And this is, a this is for me, a, I think, a big one. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, one of the topics that we hear a lot about in medicine these days is burnout. And I think that's because, um, you know, people aren't considering the big picture. What does it mean to sustain a life, uh, a life and, um, 
and a lifestyle. And uh, so thinking about what matters to you and what's going to nurture you and your ability to keep doing great work is really important when taking a job. Uh, You don't want to sort of keep that same pace that you had in your residency uh, because it's it's probably not sustainable. Um, And so, you know, think about things like all right, well, where, where do I want to be physically? I mean, do I want to be close to family, friends? Do I love, you know, am I an outdoorsman and do I need that? Or uh, do I need lots of culture um, and, um, you know, sort of like access to theaters and museums and things like that. So just consider some of those non-clinical, non-professional things. Um, think about how much you want to work. Think about with whom you want to work. Um, think about, you know, the social circles that you want to maintain. There are so many considerations beyond the sort of uh, peculiarities of your job, you know, how many hours, how many calls, how many whatever, um, that will matter to your ability to do your job. And so um, we we strongly advocate here um, to take a, a holistic look at, um, at job opportunities before taking the plunge. Well, you know, on that note, um, the most recent uh, physician survey talking about uh, new grads, the, the survey suggested that physicians after two years change jobs, um, such like more than 50%. And I think it, a lot of it has to do with them not looking at the big picture. Mm-hmm. You know, what's a, what's a nuisance to you day one may, you know, may be an irritant by uh, year two. Um, so I think the big picture is key. Absolutely. Now, finding, figuring out what, what you like and what you, what's important to you is, is the challenge. And so I think that's why when, when, when we look back and we're saying, you know, you got to keep your job search wide. I think that's one way one way you can do that. That's absolutely right. And also, I, the flip side is, I wouldn't say it's a failure if you take a job and end up needing to switch after two years. You know, you don't want to put so much pressure on that first choice. Um, you know, it's okay to adjust and adapt over time, but it is at the same time very important to take, as I said, a holistic view um, so that you make as good a decision as possible. And that's a fair statement, which is why you know you can make an argument that that uh, doing locum's work at first might be a good idea, might be a good strategy for you. Well, uh, I I couldn't agree more, and and I hope that uh, all of your listeners will uh, give it a shot by coming on over to Nomad. <laughs> exactly. All right, Alexi. Well, hey, how how can we learn more about Nomad, and how do we sign up? Well, it's super easy. Just go to www.nomadhealth.com and um, everything else should be pretty self-explanatory. We worked very hard to make it easy that it doesn't need any extra explanation. Um, so uh, I hope you come on over and uh, we look forward to working with all of you. Well, Alexi, hey, thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, I think it's really important that we disrupt uh, all the different medical norms that we have right now. There's so much room for improvement. So I applaud you and your and all your peers for trying to make a dent in this uh, in this problem. Thank you very much, and thank you for what you're doing too. I think it's so important. Once again, I'd like to thank Dr. Nazem for being on the show. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Nazem or Nomad, head over to thephysiciannegotiator.com forward slash EP-05. That's episode five. As I'm growing the show, I would really appreciate some comments either on the website or on iTunes. Head over to my website, uh, thephysiciannegotiator.com, and there you'll find a button for leaving us some feedback. Or if you'd like to make the show better, click on the button that says Get Answers. Once again, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Physician Negotiator podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit thephysiciannegotiator.com.